Undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin, it's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Krakow, the tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 134 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcast, the tale of the tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's up, brother? What 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 the hell are we talking about again? <laughs> uh, All kinds of fights going on this weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, Hey, listen, at least this bleak boxing schedule that was looking like for the wintertime for November and December um, is starting to fill out HBO saving, saving their ends to make the uh, the kind of fights that fans want to see. Yeah. Rising from the ashes, yeah. huh? trying to give us a few gifts around Christmas. Yeah, maybe it's a telling uh, sign that uh, Peter Nelson and company wanted to save what money they had for better fights, you know? Hey, congratulations, uh, HBO. Didn't take much to steal the year, and you might have stole it with those three fights. <laughs> well, the PBC sure shit. <laughs> Fucking golf clap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the only fight in the PBC, only big fight that's made right now doesn't have a venue or, I mean, it's got a tentative date, and we'll talk about that here shortly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so man. it's just news and notes, fight announcements. Some of this stuff happened uh, soon after episode 133 of the Tale of the Tape. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Yeah. We'll just run through some of these scenarios. The heavyweight division, um, the narrative six months ago was the heavyweight division is heating up. The narrative has now switched full 180 to uh, what the hell is going on with this crazy-ass heavyweight division. Yeah. So there's that to talk about uh, as well. So you're tuned in to episode 134 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on SportsRantRadio.com. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and I'm joined every week by Vince Cummings. Follow us on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. at Vince Cummings 81. And of course, hit us up sportsrantradio at gmail.com. Stop by sportsrantradio.com today for all the ways to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We are available on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, and of course, YouTube. Thanks again for tuning in. Sportsrant Radio presents episode 134 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. All right, one fight of note, you know, many fights around the world, but one fight of note with consequences in Mm -hmm. the uh, relevant boxing world right now. Joseph Parker, heavyweight prospect in our top 10 prospect list from last year. Vin, we've talked about him. He's been in the news a bunch because the IBF mandatory against belt holder Anthony Joshua is on the horizon, inching closer. Um, Joshua... Hearn and Company, Sky Sports, box office announcing November 26th is going to be the next date right. for the big man. Well, Joseph Parker has something to say about that. It was questionable whether or not that Anthony Joshua was going to have to fulfill his IBF mandatory because there was a scheduled bout for this past weekend, October 1st, as Joseph Parker was going to take on Alexander Dimitrenko. So the fight goes forward. It's a short one. But it kind of had a very anticlimactic slash peculiar ending, then. 
Yeah, very weird ending. I, we haven't seen an ending like this in a while. And that, you know what? I was giving, I think I was giving Dimitrenko too much credit coming into this fight. He, he's nothing more than a big stiff. I mean, what he did, yes, he went down, whether he was hurt at the time, but he kind of got pushed down. And Parker throws that body shot and he catches him right clean in the ribs with the right hand. But it was, it was like, dude. You don't have to go rolling around on the ground and act like this is you got slide tackled in the Premier League. This is, you know, this is fucking boxing, dude. You're going to give up on that. And the referee looks at him like, yeah, come on, get up. And he doesn't get up. And the ref's like, all right, then one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Jesus Christ, what an odd ending. But you know what? I could give a fucking shit about that ending because Parker was going to knock him out. It was it was coming very soon. Parker looked great. He looked sharp. Jab looked awesome. He, he he's I, I'm I'm trying to tell anybody who will listen, Ken. This guy's jab and this guy's footwork and this guy's hand speed in the heavyweight division is going to be problems for anybody. It just all depends on what his chin can hold up to. Because if he can take a Joshua right hand and continue to box, or or a wilder right hand and continue to box, he's gonna fucking win rounds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, this is a guy that we've been trying to get people to take notice for a long time. But the problem's been that this thing called the Anthony Joshua hype train, whether you think it is an imagination that his you know career is just puffed up around this image that he's actually not that good, regardless of of whatever you think of Anthony Joshua, the hype train is real, whether it's positive or negative. Right. That hype train superseded anything that Joseph Parker was going to do. But let's be honest, it had more to do with the fact that Anthony Joshua was from England, the birthplace of the sport of boxing, and behind one of the most powerful promoters in the entire game that gives his fighters huge incentives. The, most, the most powerful. Yes. Right now. Absolutely. Well, listen, Joseph Parker, he's got Burger King as a sponsor. <laughs> he does have that. You know, but he's in New Zealand. Yeah. Okay? It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's sort of... Very similar to, you know, the attention that some of these Australian fighters get. They get a shot at an IBF or a WBA at the world level. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe it's a, for a vacant belt. Maybe it's for another international fighter that's not based in the U.K. or the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, dude, the truth is, is that it's a, it's a different path. But Joseph Parker's made enough noise. And I think a lot of that has had to do with, let's be honest, regardless of what Dimitrenko was, I completely agree with you um, about his, his, his status, his level. Right. You know, in this game, the reality of the situation is at this point in time, as we sit on the cusp of an announcement on whether or not it's going to be Joshua versus Klitschko or Joshua versus Parker. One thing is very clear is that Joseph Parker is the far more battle tested fighter, has the far better resume. It's not even close, really, because Anthony Joshua's has been painted in a storyline involving these big ex-American football players. And you know what I mean? Like, there were people, like, that honestly thought through the Eddie Hearn machine, through the promotional machine, that these guys were actually legit. Those guys do nothing for his development as a fighter. They actually will make him develop bad habits. Because he thinks he can get away with shit that will not work against the best in the world. No. And we've been, dude, you know, we've said it before, me and you having conversations. The difference in the way that Parker was brought up and how he was, we think, brought up a lot more properly as as far as building up in competition, mm-hmm. having fights that are going to go 12 rounds and being pushed 
by bigger fighters because he's not a big guy, but he's gotten in the ring with some big fucking heavyweights. So they have properly built him up to his shot. But I'll tell you what right now, Anthony Joshua ain't fighting Parker, and he ain't fighting Klitschko. <laughs> he ain't fighting either one of them. Who's it going to be? Uh, dude, I, I couldn't tell you. You know, I, who, who knows? Who, who fucking You're knows? convinced of the bait and switch right here. Chisora. <laughs> I, Her, Hearn's already coming out and saying, well, there's a 70% chance. If there's a 70% chance in boxing, you might as well toss that fucker out the window because it ain't happening. He's already backpedaling, and he's not going to take Parker either because now Parker has an easier route to a possible WBO belt well, that, that, that's... With, with Andy Ruiz Jr., who he can beat. Yes, well, that's where it's at, though. You so know... then you let him get that belt. Parker fights fucking Derek Chisora and wins. Then, they ha- then Parker and... And Joshua fight early next year, both with belts and a unification fight. Well, yeah, look, if if that's what happens, I'm okay with that as long as we get Joshua versus Klitschko. I don't want Joshua versus yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that like, ain't fucking. If happening. the consolation prize is, and the reality is, and and we don't know yet. There's a lot riding on what the WBO and the WBA are going to do with this Tyson Fury situation. With look, all his craziness aside, whether you think that this is all a big you know, uh, charade or, you know, whatever. The fact is, is that in the lead up to this rematch with Vladimir Klitschko and the timing of him pulling out and claiming mental illness, let's not forget that they were aware and they knew that an announcement was coming that Vada had had taken a sample from Tyson Fury that tested positive for cocaine. And now he might get stripped of it. It's a setup, Ken. It's all set up. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it's a setup at all. I think Tyson Fury <laughs> is trying to make the most out of a situation that could really damage his his future, right? right. Okay, Tyson Fury aside, okay, mm-hmm. look, the way I view it is is if you're not fighting, if you're not active, if you have mental problems or you're drunk, look, whatever it is, go get help and come talk to me when you're ready to actually get into the ring. So let's talk about the relevant stuff here. You've just been touching on it. Look, if they end up stripping him and the WBO becomes available, then obviously Parker's easiest road is going to be to go after the vacant WBO belt, Mm -hmm. right? Which would then push a unification probably sometime into next year, which would also hinge and rely on the fact that, let's be honest, Joseph Parker's not a household name yet. No. He's not a a big name anywhere yet. And why why they want, want him to take a loss right now? I mean, from a business perspective, from from Parker's camp, yeah. financially, it makes way more sense. They can get two more fights, get a belt. But I don't think they view it as a loss, and neither do I. Like, No, I don't I, either. I don't think they're looking at it as a risk. The, the Parker camp, from my understanding, if the WBO and the WBA drag their feet, they are going for the Joshua mandatory. Right. Worst case scenario, cynical boxing analyst, viewer, fan, patron, whatever asshole, retard, whatever you want to call us for being these fans, right? Mm-hmm. We'll sit here and say that, okay, well, great. Now Tyson Fury's out of this. The Klitschko thing's not re- are real because Joshua doesn't want, uh, Hearn doesn't want to sacrifice Joshua's gravy train right now. Parker could take the easy, easy road to the WBO. Yeah, it looks like shit right now. Luis Ortiz is lost in the middle of the fucking Atlantic Ocean somewhere on a raft. We, I mean, we don't, you know, there's like all of a sudden this great dynamic of, of exciting future heavyweights. That's the cynical take. Here's my half-glass full take. Give me, I believe that there's a possibility that Joshua Klitschko gets made because mm-hmm. I think they see Klitschko as a mark right now, and his stock is still high enough to give them mad props and solidify 
a lot of doubters. He'll, he'll draw a lot of those people that think he's a hype train over to him. So they make that fight. Parker goes, fights Andy Ruiz, wins the WBO, which everybody thinks he will. Down the road, they unify. The only thing that can hold that up is that a unification against Deontay Wilder is far more lucrative and would take oh, yeah. precedence over a Joseph Parker fight. But it's not the end of the world, though, because we have to remember we're so used to heavyweights being 38 and 45 fucking years old. We got to realize Anthony Joshua's 26 and Parker's 24. Yep. So this fight could happen four years from now, and these guys may not even be in their primes yet. So that this fight, as much as I want Parker and Joshua, because they're my two babies of fucking heavyweight prospects. Right. I'm okay to wait for that one. I just don't want this whole aftershock and aftermath and scorched earth. I just don't want it to turn into Fury fucked up. Now the whole heavyweight division's fucked up. Well, right. Now, here's another problem with, you know, so let's just say that scenario plays out and and we now have, let, let's say Vlad fights, I don't know, whoever is ranked number three in the WBA right now because he probably won't fight Ortiz. That I, I don't I don't see Ortiz and Vlad ever being able to make a deal to fight. It should happen, but it won't. It's it's not it doesn't sell for Vlad. It's not the risk is too big for him. So let's just say Vlad has a belt, Joshua's got got a belt, Wilder's got a belt, and Parker's got a belt. There's not enough good fucking competition for all four of them to have to, belts to have belts and fight quality competition. And Klitschko doesn't have the time to sit on a belt. Uh, absolutely not. So, and does he even really want one belt? I don't know. Because now, even when he wins, everybody's going to be like, I mean, if he fights whoever and wins a belt, he's not going to be viewed as the champion like he was before. It's going to seem cheap. Well, now he's going to have to beat somebody. Right. You know, and the same thing, like Parker can afford that right now because nobody really knows who he is. Having the belt might get him recognized a little bit more. Right. You know what I mean? So for a guy like him, obviously... But for yeah, for Klitschko, I don't know if the belts matter or not. I think at this point in time for him, yeah, he could take the Arthur Abraham route. He could take the well, Felix Stern decided to cheat and take that route. But I'm saying <laughs> he could take that. I can go and nestle up in Germany for the next four or five years and fight stiffs and basically be a circus attraction. But my TV ratings will be so high that I'll still be making four or five million dollars a fight. All right, fight Pavetkin again. Fight whoever. Well, I was just gonna say, what about a rematch with Pavetkin? What if that was Klitschko's next fight? I mean, you know, I'm not. It's not a bad fight. You know, I don't mind it as as far as it goes as a matchup. But it's just, uh, you know, do we need to see Klitschko beat the shit out of him again? Yeah, it might be a little bit different, but Klitschko's just too big for Pavekin. Yeah, he good. Is. He is on top of it. He is. Wilder's hurt. Fury's on drugs. It, it looks so promising <laughs> at the beginning of 2016, and at the end, it's it's a fucking shit show, man. But think about it, though. I mean, dude, like the sport relies on individuals. Right. And not very many of them. Let's just say like 25 or 30 really good individuals. What are the odds that Major League Baseball or the NFL could just have 30 or 40 people playing their sport? And, right. that, and that half of them wouldn't be fucking crazy and that it would be impossible to do the sport or any sport. You know right. what I mean? Because you're just dealing with a handful of people. Yeah. Now, if they're all have uh, of the mentality of you know a Canelo or a or a or a Kovalev or guys that have taken on good competition or or strive to or proven the it just doesn't work out that way though the, the odds are not in our favor no I mean you're dealing with a lot of guys that come from pretty bad circumstances on top of the fact who knows what the parenting situation was on top of the fact 15 years of getting their head bashed in 
you're probably going to get some colorful characters. You think? <laughs> just, dude, it's the way it is. <laughs> you know, it's like when I was in the military, man. You met people from podunk, bumfuck, deep Cajun country, Louisiana, from towns of like 30 people. Right. People from the mountains of Colorado, North Dakota, people that had never been like really integrated into like popular culture or, you know, American society. They're still living little house on the prairie style. And I meet these guys in the military and they are just so overwhelmed by just information and, <laughs> you know, just yeah. everything. It just, and boxers don't always come. Well, they, they just don't. Maybe Chris Algieri does, but boxers come from all corners, nooks, and crannies of society. Well, yeah, and they're, they normally have a crowd of people around them that shield them from reality and, and make them seem like little heroes in their own fucking bubble. Oh, we just, see that here. It distorts your the way you think after a while. I mean, people yeah. treat you like a king for for a decade. Well, what the fuck do you think you're going to feel like? A king. Yeah. Yeah, they, they sit inside of a bubble of their Twitter followers. Be, whatever their Twitter following is, is where they exist. Yeah, even they're just whatever, the, the hangers-on, the friends, the family, just the, the entourage yeah. that just makes them feel like, makes whoever feel like a king. It, dude, that'll ruin a person, man. Do you th- how do you think Mikey Garcia feels about Ellie Secback being in his entourage? <laughs> do you think he's just getting constant shine that he it, loves it? Or do you think he's just a big Kobe Bryant fan? And Ellie Secback had a picture taken with Kobe Bryant. I think that's probably <laughs> the main reason. Dude, that is, I, I, I guess Ellie kept him uh, relevant while he was yeah. out of boxing. For yeah, it. getting his opinion on everything under the fucking oh, sun. Yeah. yeah, I think I know everything I need to know. <laughs> it's like I watched one of those fucking videos. Oh, you watch all of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dobo, hey, look. I mean, we are here, the... Uh, at the final hour, they got to announce something for Anthony Joshua very soon. I mean, it's- I thought it was supposed to be the 26th. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happened, Ed? Oh, Ed's trying to make the Klitschko fight. Yeah, you got to back away slowly. <laughs> you don't just rip that bandaid off, Ken. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Chisora is just waiting in the wings. Oh, waiting in the wings. He's already signed. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think the purse bid for Stavern Pavekin is Friday. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're right. They can make that fight. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be a fun fight. I think Povetkin I think knocks he, his head off. Yeah, I mean, what has Stavern been doing? Hanging out with Mayweather? Yeah. That's, uh, what, that's I mean, good for one's career. That's what he was doing during the training camp of his of his uh, title defense against Deontay Wilder. Yeah, he, he cashed out. What's the name? What's the name of Mayweather's strip club? The Girl Collection, right? <laughs> Isn't it? I think it is. The girl the guy who is has a has an actual criminal record of beating women. How is he allowed to get a license to own a strip club? Whoever whoever gave him the license, dude, he owns. should have looked at it and said, "Listen, Floyd, I'll approve this if you change the name." He owns Vegas, man. Every aspect of whatever he wants, he is the fucking man. Everybody there. wants a piece, man. Oh, every casino wants him at their casino. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. <laughs> Jesus. Um. All right. So heavyweight division kind of on hold. Hopefully next week we'll have something yeah. more, more to add on to this. You, you would have to think something has to be announced. Well, we'll say this. We're getting into TBA range. <laughs> Tom Bob Anderson, baby. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, look, man, we're 20 minutes into the show right now, uh-huh. and we have been given, you know, probably 17 or 18 minutes of heavyweight talk. This is the same conversation we've been having every episode for the last four or five episodes, and it just keeps adding more and more. Yeah. So, hey, look, even though boxing... Something's got to fucking happen in, re- <laughs> Dude, but in bo- reality in the ring, please. But boxing took a dump in October. But, it's like fucking August all over again. Dude, right now, boxing is a turd hanging out of a fucking butt right now that's just ready to drop. It's just the year ain't ended yet. What's Keith Thurman doing right now, Vin? I mean, l- I mean, let's be honest. I mean, nobody's fighting in October. Where's Keith Thurman? Where's Adrian Brunner? What is Thurman doing? Right? What do you think he's doing right now? I think he's probably uh, <laughs> perfecting his legendary craft of uh, killer bong rips and, and flute <laughs> solos. <laughs> Do you think he crafts his own flutes, that he whittles his own flutes? I think so. Him and his little lap dogs. Playing the skin flute? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, what were those called? Recorders? Is that what they were called in, like, elementary school? They gave you a little flute to play? I don't even know what they are. I just know he's a retard. Yeah. I mean, his interview with with, uh, whoever it was that the PBC put on their website. His letter to boxing? Oh, Yeah. He's the number 147-pounder in the world, Ken, and he's fought the likes of Chavez and Colazzo. Not Julio Cesar. No. Chavez. Diego. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, let's, let's clear that up. Okay. There's nobody else in the, in the division that's beaten the likes of guys that he's beaten. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're such an... He's like, um, you know, we could fight a mandatory this year. We could fight Avanesian. Or we could take the year off and reflect on what we've done for the first, you know, 20 years of my boxing career. It's like, dude, would you fucking capitalize? Do you know, I mean, you just came off a fight where 3 million people were watching and what's going to be a fight of the year candidate, and some people may even rate it as their fight of the year. Oh, the PBC will pick it as the fight of the year. Depending on what your, you know, what your cup of tea is when it comes to a fight, some people might rate that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to, but I'm saying some will. It's on my list. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in the top five. But, I mean, let's be honest. You had all this momentum, and you just fucking fade away. You should have been back in the ring in two months. Fight Avanesian and knock his ass out. Yeah. On, on national television and let 3 million people watch it again. Yeah. Guess what? Then you develop a fan base and you have a fucking a head of steam and you get a little PR behind you and you make a little bit more money and you don't sound like such a fucking idiot when you do these interviews and make absolutely no sense and have no sense of self-fucking-awareness whatsoever you sound like a dumbass. Yeah, there's no plan. There's no, no future. I don't, you know, who knows, Ken? Just doesn't make sense. Look, here's the thing. It's like you just said. So take the Avenesian fight, right? Yeah, absolutely. Build off the momentum, like you said. So 3 million people watch this fight. I'm going to venture to say that 2.2 million of those 3 million, Vin, were casuals that had little to know about Keith Thurman at the time and had, uh, you know, uh, probably the same amount of people who knew who Sean Porter was, mm-hmm. right? But guess what? There's still 3 million people that know who you are, saw you put on a good performance. So when you go into your next fight two months later, because he should have been back in the ring against Avanesian two months later, because that's a fight that he should be able to win, right? So if he gets back in two months later, and the same 3 million people tune in, and the narrative that the PBC, if they were smart enough to craft and spit out during their announcing, came out and said, yeah, this is the mandatory challenger, the number one ranked. They could have built Avenesian up off of that fucking soft-ass narrative. You just beat Shane Mosley. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> but point being is right. it does, it, that it didn't matter. 
if they would have put him right back in the ring against against the same three million, I mean, uh, in front of the same three million people, mm-hmm. it didn't matter who the opponent was. It was that he's back. We like him. That's why we're tuning in again, anyways. And this guy, who I don't know who he is, but he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, just told me that Avenisian's legitimate. I believe it. Right. So I love Keith Thurman even more. And then they can spread the disease to their casual fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that makes They're not too much wow. fucking sense. On, and Keith Thurman, is it's very clear that one common denominator with a lot of these so-called stars in the PBC, they just enjoy doing other things more than they enjoy fighting. Why, why can't we just say that? Why you got to write a bullshit letter to boxing? Saying that boxing's okay because you fucking gallivant around and fight 1.3 times a year on average. Oh, you're coming back, and when I come back, I'll be 28 years old and the welterweight division and all these unifications and blah, 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 blah. Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, all of you, shut the fuck up or put the fuck up. Honestly, man, I, I, I'm just so tired of it. I don't want to hear your fucking letter. Who are you writing that to? Like, who is your target audience with that? The fellow fucking, uh, I've been hit over the head with a bat and and slur my speech now crowd? Like, (laughs) who's the target audience? Uh, Dude, he thinks the same three million that watched this fight. He's a star, Ken. His star has completely went out, man. Oh, it never really was. I mean, it was ready. It, it, it Primed. Se- yeah, it seemed like the it. The fuse th- was lit. Yeah, let's let's let this motherfucker take off. Absolutely not. Let's pump the brakes on that. <laughs> Nobody's bigger than the PBC, Ken. Oh, it's like the it's like the Shield in the NFL. Nobody's bigger than the Shield. Come on. <laughs> it took so many years for the Shield in the NFL to become as big bigger than the sport. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, the PBC sure shit ain't that. Nah, we'll just go right to the front of the line. <laughs> what do you guys want to make something up? We can make something up. <laughs> we can create oh. our own world here. Oh man, I just hate it too, man. It's like the you know the the last few guys in the PBC that you really enjoy watching fight, and you've watched their entire careers coming up, and they cannot help but just fucking vomit all over their shirt dude i i, I cut thurman so much slack because i i've always you, liked him as you, a fighter you have been apologist at and, times. I, and i still i don't i would try to up as much as up until his last fight but now i mean after reading this bullshit it's like dude <laughs> i could give a flying fuck what you're doing and who you're fighting unless you're fighting danny garcia next don't uh, don't bother. I I I could care fucking less. Oh, they'll serve up uh, Lamont Peterson to him if he doesn't get the Cotto fight. Probably, probably, and he'll beat Peterson because Peterson fights for five rounds. So, yeah. fuck man, <laughs> they just don't know. I mean, PBC, you are the definition of fucking insane. You keep repeating the same process and getting the same results and doing nothing but making digging a a fucking deeper hole for. The sport as a whole, I, I feel like the PBC, the creation of the PBC and the way they fucked up has created, everybody's running up fucking hill now, man. And I know and by no means does anybody else get a pass along the way. But you know what I'm fucking saying? Like, uh, Absolutely. It's just a fucking cloud hanging over boxing. Go the fuck away. Yeah, but they keep on just. Oh, but no more free fights, Ken. No more free Tuesday night fights on FS1, 
toe to toe Antonio Tarver calling the blow by blow. Oh, oh, it's great. Yeah, Antonio Tarver's got the credibility of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to believe what this guy says. The guy who is still to this day, he's, he, he has failed and been suspended two times, failed drug tests for using steroids in professional boxing. Yeah. He is a repeat offender serial cheater, this yep. guy. Any other sport, he'd be done. But on the mic... Everything he says is credible. <laughs> you know who he reminds me of? He just reminds me of, like, uh, I don't know, man. Just, just like, he reminds me of just the most agreeable man in the world. Well, yeah, the camera, the lights <laughs> hit and the camera goes on and he smiles and put, hits you with them He's pearly like, <laughs> whites. And Tarver just, yeah, he looks like a happy dude. You're yeah. like, how can you not like this guy, right? Oh, whatever you just said was funny. <laughs> He's fucking full of shit. Dude. Oh, yeah. That John Denver's full of shit, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. Look, the PBC, whatever. We'll wait and see what happens. Hey, Tarver is a real candidate to fight Joshua. Watch out. He is the sleeper candidate. Fucking watch out, dude. <laughs> Who knows how many options Al Heyman had on Joshua for giving him that belt? <sighs> Who knows? Joshua Klitschko with the HBO and Showtime. I mean, I'm not, you know, Showtime's kind of a fucking side deal. I don't know if that would be enough. Like, Eddie Hearn could probably say, hey, uh, Listen, you little fuckers, you're not going to hold up my fucking money fight. But there just seems like too many hurdles. That fucking shit ain't happening. Ben, you just turned into a big cynical mess. Hey, I mean, you you dig deep enough into the sport, and, you know, quite frankly, it's impossible not well, to. Look, I, I, I owe you an apology. I forgot we're talking about the PBC. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck. All right. All right. Let's get past this. Everything's on hold until Joshua announces his next fight. Yes. Um, so that being said, let's get into these announcements real quick. Most of you already know about them, have already lent your opinions on social media regarding them. We'll just go in order here. Mm-hmm. November 26th date opened up originally slated by HBO for Triple G. Canelo breaks his hand against Liam Smith. December 10th opens up, and so does a big pocket full of cash. Yeah. So now that that two dates became available and a bunch of money, WBA announces that they are mandating Triple G versus Danny Jacobs. Logical slot, fight in negotiations. Everybody's went quiet, which could mean a good thing. Mm -hmm. For December 10th, HBO Madison Square Garden. The 26th opens up. And the fight that we thought that fell to the wayside that we would never see come to fruition is being made. And even though one of the fighters has lost all of his momentum, much in the same way that Keith Thurman has, and half of the purse he was going to make the first go round. <laughs> yeah. Um, Vasily Lomachenko versus the Axeman Nicholas Walters coming to the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas on November 26th, a little Thanksgiving special. Uh, that's awesome. People are jerking it to that fight, aren't they? <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Are you excited for oh, it? Oh, dude. I mean, I, it's just one of them fights where you go, well, fucking Bob. Pulled, pulled, pulled one out, didn't he? He did. He, fought, I mean, look, it's it's kind of a fight to save the year for them a little bit, and these last, I mean, that and and the Lomachenko fight, it, it, but you know, it, it still doesn't it doesn't to me doesn't mask the stink that was the first ten months. What do you think about this, Vin? What do you think about Bob Arum and the HBO thing kind of being just a little bit of PR stirring up some marketing? You know what I mean? Maybe the deal was this. All right, listen, realistically, we can't afford Pacquiao anymore. Right. We don't know what his numbers are going to do on pay-per-view. 
we could afford to give him five or six million, but we can't even give him half of his twenty million guarantee. I think Bob knows that he has to concede <clears throat> that argument now because of what the landscape is of the sport. Right. So if that that's the logical thing. So if he's going into a meeting with HBO and he says, "Listen, we're going to go put this on ourselves because we can, and, and, and actually we'll make more money this way too because we don't have to pay you." Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Um, but in return. How about you pony up the extra million dollars we need to make Lomachenko versus Walters? Yeah. And I think that Pacquiao Vargas going to top-ranked pay-per-view had as much to do with Lomachenko versus Walters getting made as this date opening up on HBO did. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And, I mean, if if this is going to be the case, if, uh, you know, if Canelo fighting three times uh, as, as a part of his deal with HBO is going to cost me fights like this, that they've made, uh, you know, I, I kind of re- would rather see a little bit more of this. <laughs> yeah, I'll you, take Canelo twice a year. You know, yeah. if, if honestly, if that's what you know, if that's what the landscape is going to fucking be, and that's what the budget is, it's it's way more. Right, look, the three fights that they have been able to pull out at the end of the year almost saved the year for what has been the worst year for HBO that I can remember by a fucking long shot. By a long shot. The three they pulled out of their ass, plus the pay-per-view with Kovalev versus Ward. Absolutely. So they, they're finishing fucking strong. I mean, real strong. So, to speak on your point right there, this run of fights being announced, December 17th, Englewood, it's all good. <laughs> the Forum HBO, Orlando Salido, involved in the 2014 Fight of the Year, mm-hmm. takes on 2015 Fight of the Year participant, Takashi Miura. Dude, this fight, I mean, dude, it's like everybody had their ballots cast for fight of the year, that it was Salido Vargas. Not so fast, my friend. Not so fast. <laughs> Somebody's going to get hurt in this fight. Yeah, this is going to be an unbelievable fight. This is can't miss. I mean, there's, you know, when, when Salido fights, no matter who it is, the guy just brings it every fucking time. It's, it, it's this time is, has the clock ticked its last tick for this old man? I mean, how long can he continue to be a fucking warrior? And and Mira is a monster of a whole another another world as far as who he's been in with. He's different than Vargas. I mean, he's going to have a guy that's coming at him and throwing heavy shots, right? Heavy shots. <clears throat> but Mira himself is different than Vargas. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you yeah. Know that's, what I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're, 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 he's just a different animal in the ring, and you know, wearing that for twelve rounds is a lot different than wearing Vargas shots for twelve rounds. It's just does Mira, Mira have the gas tank? Because that's yeah, you know. I mean, Vargas is is you know pedal to the metal. You know, right. he comes forward, throws those hard straight shots, boxes a little bit, but definitely is uh, foot on the gas. Mira, flip him around, and you have a little sort of, I don't know, like iron tank Japanese version of yeah. Ma- of Manny Pacquiao. You do, you do, w- without the elite quickness, but with all the power and with a straight left that most would die for. I mean, dude. He is going to pose problems for Orlando Salido. But here's the thing. Orlando Salido throws every punch with every hand, and he throws all of them while coming forward. So should it matter in one little bit to Orlando Salido that Takashi Miura is a southpaw? No. <laughs> no, I, I, I really don't think so. He will get inside, and Salido will do his work. I think Salido's going to win this fight and stop Miura late, 9-10. I think that this is, the, is, this is finally the fight. We're, we're dude. We're two and a half months away. Right. I'll give him my final prediction as we find out more about the camps and stuff. Right. I think this is the fight. 
I think Mura stops him, drops some, him somewhere around the tenth round. I think he drops him like four or five times. Yeah, I mean, look, we, Salido ain't getting knocked the fuck out, is he? No, he always gets up. He'll get stopped. I mean, that's <laughs> I, I don't think it's in his nature to stay stay down. No, uh, dude, this is gonna be. Yeah, you're right. You, you don't fucking cast your ballot yet because this will probably end up being the fight of the year. Yeah, this could be a lot more explosive. Yeah. Like, Salido versus Vargas was nonstop violence. A- absolutely. This could be very explosive. Well, this could be swings. This could be one man down, the other man down, which that's truly what makes a fight of the year when you have that going on. Yeah, because you have adversity. Right. And fighters are overcoming adversity. Right. Sometimes in those you know, just nonstop all action fights where both guys are landing 800 punches. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you lose the adversity because you get so captivated by the action. Yeah. Why is Corrales Castillo round 10, like the greatest round in the, in the history of boxing? Cause it's arguably the greatest comeback in the history of boxing. And the fucking drama in that round was about as high as you can get. Yeah. It's the best that this sport can deliver. Absolutely. Now this is much different, right? Because Castillo and Corrales at the time were two of the best fighters in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. Orlando Salido is basically this is his PR campaign for the Hall of Fame. Is mm-hmm. this late run in his career? The last couple years of his career coming up, he he's always fought the best. He just hasn't always beaten the best. Yeah, but it's these kind of epic wars going up against guys that guys usually only want to fight. And like Mura is only attractive fight for anybody at 130 pounds if he has a belt. Nobody wants to fight this guy if he doesn't have a belt. Nope. It's going to be tough as hell for a guy like Muir to get positioned back in for a mandatory against the belt unless he takes on guys like Orlando Salido. Oh, and you know what? And Salido always taking these tough fights. He has built up such a, you know, no matter what this guy does, if he loses, it's not like when Salido fights next, people aren't going to watch. No, this guy has given us wars and we know he will compete in this fight yeah he will not even if he does fall off the ledge in this fight it won't he won't go down three times in the first two rounds and it'd be over no he'll he'll go to war he'll go out on his shield and the next time he fights people will say you know what it's just like it is with pacquiao he's he's put money in the bank with me and he's he's earned me that equity yeah i will always watch salito fight as long as he wants to fight now I don't want to see him turn into a you know James oh, Tony, yeah. but yeah, uh, he he will always get my attention. If Salito wins this fight, then the fight poster for his next fight after Miura, the title of the fight, the theme for the fight on the poster should be Orlando Salito, the legend continues. Yeah. Dot dot dot. No shit. You know what I mean? He's yeah. bu- he's building this legendary status in 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 cult boxing the diehard boxing community fucking loves this guy because a lot like margarito did at the end of his career yeah what is look that's all we want like everybody thinks that we're just these you know these bloodthirsty people that you know all we want to do we're we're just these zombies that just want to suck blood you know what i mean it's like all we want to see is is guys just throw wild haymakers and this that and the other no orlando salito is much more than putting on an action fight he embodies everything that we bitch about other fighters not having in today's day and age. This millennial generation of boxers do not possess what makes Orlando Salido garner more respect and more praise, and his legend grows because he has everything that we wish every boxer had a, had just a little piece of. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't need to talk outside of the ring. If there was ever a guy that uses the fucking leather on his hands <laughs> to do the talking. I mean, that's all he needs to do. Yeah. And uh, if other guys would fucking realize a little bit less, a good mix 
of the two. Yeah. Because you can't do none of one and, and just flap your fucking gums outside the ring like Danny Garcia and 18 other fucking fighters right now. Well, you can, but you get talked about the way in which... Right. You get no respect. None. You gets none. But you know what this is? November 26th, Lomachenko versus Walters. December 17th, Orlando Salida versus Tak Mira. Guess what? What's that? This sounds like a little Final Four for the next bout to kick off 2017. Yeah. Winners, please? Yeah, absolutely. I'll actually take losers, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, losers and winners. Yeah, I don't care how you do, do it. Do a round robin. Yeah, I don't care how you fucking do it. Absolutely. Sprinkle Vargas in there, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. He can fight whoever he wants out of that bunch. Uh, that that division right now has got some just the, the fights are they're all possible fight of the year candidates yeah 130 is exciting yeah um all right so uh another fight announced except this one out of all the fights that announced doesn't have a venue yet i think we've heard that it might be at hooters in vegas (laughs) i think we've also heard that it could be at the bunny ranch um jermall charlo versus julian williams i heard it was the side stage at cheetahs But this fight will take place in Vegas. Now, look, if they would have just jumped right out and said, hey, it's at the Cosmopolitan or it's at one of these like three or four thousand seat venues that are in these showrooms that are all over Vegas. Right. Tell me it's in the fucking parking lot at the Venetian and they're going to build stands. You know what I mean? Be creative about it. But if they dare to come out and say this is going to be at MGM, T-Mobile, or Thomas and Mac, or even the fucking Mandalay Bay, because they won't even sell out half the Mandalay Bay. Uh, it's failed. It's doomed. The fight itself will be great to watch on TV because we will get what we wanted. But if you put this fight in front of the right crowd, we will get more out of both fighters. I think we're going to get all of Julian Williams regardless. Oh, yeah. But for this fight to turn into what it has the capability to be, it needs to be in the right place. And they've already, already pissed off a bunch of boxing fans by just coming out and saying, yep, it's signed. No idea where it's going to be, but probably in the worst place possible. Why don't they do it in the same place they did the Errol, Spen- Errol Spence's last fight in Texas? <laughs> I mean, why don't you put it in Philadelphia somewhere? Why, why don't you use one of these places where these fi- either one of the fighters is from? Yeah, when are Danny Garcia or Julian Williams going to have a fight in Philadelphia? A meaningful fight? I don't know. And Philly's a fight town. I mean, you, you will sell tickets in Philly. But why would you want to sell tickets, Vin? We got a piggy bank. We, we print tickets. I, I don't fucking get it, man. I don't get it. Nobody in Vegas, nobody's going to want to travel to see this fight. No, no, not at but all. This, this does not. I mean, if you look at, if you're a, a traveling boxing fan and you go to fights and you maybe you go to Vegas once a year, you go to New York once a year for a fight, however, you pick and choose. This ain't even on the fucking list. No. You wouldn't even, this is, you don't even give it a thought. Half the boxing fans in this country live in California, which is the closest drive to Vegas out of any of these large metropolitan centers, right? Yeah. But you have to, they have a little problem here. Jamal Charlo and Julian Williams aren't, aren't, they're not commodities in California. No. So why would half the boxing population of California try to get tickets in Las Vegas? Hey, it's just a, it's just a couple hour drive, Vin. Hey, look, it's a big fight, right? You put it in fucking Texas and you load the undercard with Latino fighters, and hey, what do you know? You're gonna sell some fucking tickets. Okay, politics aside. Yeah, what do you think about the fight? Um, I I you know I'm looking forward to the fucking fight, dude, because you know I've been waiting to 
be justified for all the fucking praise I've heaped upon Julian Williams because I think it, it's it's his time in the division, and hopefully he's a guy that changes the way that division goes when he gets this belt like I think he will and win a 12-round decision and win it by three, four rounds pretty handily because he's just a better fucking boxer. He's just all around, almost in every category, I would give him a slight advantage. Maybe not not power. That would be it. I'll give the, I'll give the power to Charlo in the fight. I, maybe one punch power. Yeah, I think like banging power. I think. Oh William, yeah, inside work, bang it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Julian Williams has the advantage. He's just a more well rounded fighter. I he's agree. going to fucking win this fight, and I think he's the best fighter in the division and has been for the last two fucking years. Yeah, yeah. I will agree. he get the rest of? Will he break up the fucking fun bunch that hangs out down no. there in Texas? Mm-mm. That that just they hold all the belts in the same gym. And we'll never fight each other. That's cool, guys. You can do it for a year and have fun and high-five each other every day you go to work. But it, uh, eventually, you're holding a, a fucking division hostage. Sorry. Time to give up the fucking belts I or think, fight each other. <clears throat> I think Jamal Charlo gets knocked out in this fight. You think so? Yeah, I, th- I think he is. What ounce of adversity has he ever faced None. in a fight? None. None. Look, he's talented, and he's got a good corner, okay? Like, we know this. He's well-coached. Mm-hmm. But he is just like all these other guys in the PBC that just come off. I'm not saying that I know this, that he said this to me, but they portray themselves as being more interested in other things. He seems like his priorities, boxing is his job. He'll do it two or three times a year. But you never see him in the press. You never see him in the public. You never see him on TV. You never see him on videos. Like, the Charlo brothers are two of the worst promoted good fighters in the entire world. Because the truth is, I think Jermall Charlo might be the second best at 154. Yeah. I think he is a good fight for Demetrius Andrade. I think he's a great fight for Erzlandi Lara. I think all these fights with these guys at the top are legit. But I just think Julian Williams likes boxing way more. And I think that this is one of these, this is a Tony Harrison moment of awakening, moment of clarity. This is, that is what is going to happen to the young lion. (laughs) Look, dude, I would not be surprised because yes, I mean, he, Charlo has done nothing and fought no one in his career that has pushed him anywhere. Uh, Maybe there's some legendary sparring down in them gyms and in Texas amongst those three. I don't know. I doubt it. I (laughs) highly doubt it. But, I, I, I'm I'm sorry, man. I just I just feel like it's Julian Williams' time in that division, and you know I think he claims it, and I think whether he stays there very long because he may not be able to get the fights he wants, and I think eventually he's he's making his way to 160. Oh well, there's a lot of willing dance partners at 160 for a guy like Julian Williams. He'll get treated just like Golovkin. Yeah, nobody will want to fight him, and it's not because of the scary power. It's because he's just gonna kick their ass. Right. No, you're exactly right. And that's why nobody wants to fight him now. But then all the uh, all the Triple G haters and Ward supporters will be like, hey, move up to 168 and prove yourself. Yeah. If there's nobody at 160. Oh, you know what? Let me just go ahead and leapfrog them all. I'm going right to heavyweight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck it, dude. Yeah. That's the only way I'm going to earn any respect around here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking challenge yourself, dude. We want you to seek a loss. If you don't seek a loss, fuck off. Oh, man. All right. Charlo Williams apparently made. Thank God. The PBC needed at least something at the end of the year. Yeah, they needed to put something on the schedule. Yeah. You know what I mean? That empty calendar when you go to the page and it says 
Uh, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hasn't this website been online for two years? What a fucking... <clears throat> Ken, they're regrouping. They retreated to the boardroom. Apparently, there's a phantom television deal that may or may not be happening. I shake my dick at it. Yeah. <laughs> How much of that fucking shit are you going to believe? <laughs> I mean, give me a fucking break, man. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I think if I if I remember correctly, the numbers were 10 years, 500 million per year. So a $5 billion deal for boxing on Fox Sports platforms. Get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> oh, is that why everybody in the PBC shelved till next year? Oh, but year? don't wait. Uh, wait, don't worry. Don't worry. Fox gets 100% of the advertising rights. Well, when nobody watches, you can't sell ads. <laughs> so, and, and Fox is, is smart enough, I think, to know that nobody was watching and they won't sell ads. So you're not going to fucking give the sport of boxing and Al Heyman another fucking chest full of cash that they just fucking wasted. That would be the dumbest business decision in history, unless... Somebody that was involved in approving the money that he stole from those investors now happens to work at Fox and makes those kind of decisions there. (laughs) That would not fucking surprise me. Who knows how deep that shit goes, man? Dude, these power players are connected in ways that we can't even possibly imagine. Right, right. Whether they're scandalous or true. You know what I mean? Uh, You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that deal came about. It wouldn't shock me. (laughs) Believable. Oh, fucking idiots. Well, I guess one little good uh, shred of news when it comes to making a good deal um, to close the show, Alexander Usyk has inked a managerial contract with Igus Klimas. Igus Klimas making waves over here, bringing fighters who want to fight the best, and this is a clear, clear line to Usyk appearing on HBO. Yeah, I was going to say, this just laid out the uh, the groundwork for him to come to the United States. Peter and Nelson fight. and Clemus seem to have a very good relationship. Yeah, I think we're going to see him on some Triple G undercards, my friend. I think he's going to take Chocolatito's place for a couple fights, and I don't think you can get any fucking better twosome than that traveling. I, I hope they come to New York, and I think they'll be in New York at some point as a tandem. Yeah. We will be there. Give me... Golovkin, Jacobs, Usyk, Hook. Uh, yeah. I'll see you there. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Then I'll see you at MSG December 10th. We hope to see all of you there, too. All right. Let's close the show, man. Let's get out of here. Yeah. No, I mean, enough news and notes. Yeah. <laughs> enough news and notes. Um, but we appreciate all of you tuning in once again. It's episode 134 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Really only fight on the horizon. Juan Francisco Estrada returns from injury. Mm-hmm back in the ring against some guy named Toboggan. So uh, we're assuming this is just to prove he's healthy, and hopefully Estrada gets into the mix with Chocolatito and company. Oh, he's definitely hunting them. That's for sure. He wants that rematch. Absolutely. But thanks for listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. And, of course, Vince Cummings. Follow him at Vince Cummings 81 We'll be back next week with episode 135 as we preview Vin's predicted fight of the year as Tony Bellew squares off against BJ Flores. (laughs) Oh, I hope Flores' head gets fucking knocked off. Me too. (laughs) Oh, it'll be great. Um, So, yeah, and much more news and notes on the horizon as boxing is the gift that keeps on giving. But you've been listening to episode 134. 
of the pound for pound king of boxing podcasts, The Tale of the Tape. Muchas gracias, everybody.